You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Lions, Locked on Podcast Network. Let's plate this thing, everybody, on a Wednesday, April 14th. In the Thursday, April 15th, folks, tomorrow is the two-week deadline, the two-week day. Two weeks until the NFL draft. Night number one, April 29th, in Cleveland. Lions picking number seven. We will talk draft with Trevor Sikama from the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. He co-hosts it with Kyle Krabs right here on the network and also from the draftnetwork.com. We're going to get uh, Trevor on here to talk Lions and the draft coming up momentarily. Our show today brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I had a lot of fun talking to Justin Rogers yesterday from the Detroit News. If you missed the podcast, uh... Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Twitter at Dairy Speaks. We are at Locked On Lions on Twitter. And also you can find it and us on the Matt Dairy Facebook fan page. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes, um, subscribe to the podcast. And please leave us some sort of a review, even if you hate us. Mm. But I don't think you do. Um, but uh, getting excited, certainly, for what is going to be a big, big weekend in a couple of weeks. With Brad Holmes and his staff and what they're going to do with this roster and if they're going to trade back and what they're going to do. And we're going to talk about all of that with Trevor coming up momentarily. I found something very interesting. Uh, in Trevor Sikama's uh, mock draft, um, and he had a two-round mock draft, by the way. And as we told you the other day, uh, he had Jamar Chase going to the Lions at number 7. And then he had another wide receiver going to the Lions at 41. Um, that being Amari Rogers from Clemson. We'll ask Trevor about that uh, in a second. <coughs> Excuse me. But one thing that I thought was interesting in his mock was that his first, let's see, five, six, seven, eight, nine, his first nine picks were all offense, all offense. The first defensive player he has taken is Patrick Sertan, uh, the second, the cornerback from Alabama going to the Cowboys at number 10. And you look at the odds from betonline.ag, if you go to their website, uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year odds. Uh, Trevor Lawrence comes in first at 11, 11 to 4 odds. Justin Fields tied for second with Zach Wilson at 9 to 2. Kyle Pitts, 15 to 2. Mac Jones, 10 to 1. Then Jamar Chase tied with Trey Lance at 12 to 1. And then the rest of the list, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver that the Lions have spoken with, Rashad Bateman, Terrence, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., and excuse me, Kyle Trask at 25-1. to 1. Kyle Trask isn't winning the rookie of the year. Wait, what? But it's those numbers are interesting. There's so many good offensive players in this draft, and you just wonder... You wonder if the Lions feel the same way and want to get one of those skill guys early or if they wait and get a receiver later or a skill guy later and draft an offensive lineman, a, 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 a Penny Sewell or a uh, Rayshon Slater at seven and build that line. 
Um, and again, offensive rookie of the year is usually going to be a skill position player over a guy like Sewell or Slater, regardless. But you know, I just don't think Kyle Kyle Pitts is fifteen to two. I think he'd be higher. Justin Fields might not necessarily play next year. Zach Wilson's going to be on the Jets. How good are the Jets really going to be? I think Lawrence is going to be a stud. But I just don't think Kyle Pitts will be there at seven. I just don't see it. And we're going to, again, talk about it uh, coming up in a minute with Trevor Sykema. Hey, April 19th through the uh, through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. So subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. And rockauto.com, ladies and gentlemen. You need auto parts, you need motor oil, all this stuff. We're getting a little bit of warmer weather. Maybe you want to do some stuff to your car or truck. Get the parts you need at rockauto.com. They are a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to the website rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They get everything. Brake parts, engine control modules, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com, their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best thing about it, though, their prices are reliably low. You're not going to get ripped off. Go to RockAuto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, as promised, let's talk some Lions and the NFL Draft. Trevor Sikama is the co-host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast right here on the network as well on the draftnetwork.com. He had his latest mock draft the other day that we referenced on the show. We'll talk to Trevor now. What's up, buddy? Hey, Matt. Always good to chat with you. It's the, it's the time of year to do it, and so I'm excited to talk a little ball. Appreciate your time, Trev, as always, and uh, we know what, what a great job you guys do, you and Kyle, on that Locked on NFL Draft uh, podcast. Your, your latest mock, uh, certainly interesting with some trades and everything else, but where we sit now, nearly two weeks away, um, you know, are you looking at this thing like, hey, we know what the top three look like already? I know you're not a huge believer in this Mac Jones to the Niners thing, but What's your mindset right now? Yeah, so, I mean, everybody's kind of saying that the draft starts at four because we know what position the Niners are going to go with at number three. We just don't know exactly who it's going to be. I'm fairly confident that that it's, that it's going to be Justin Fields. I just, look, you know, when I look at this quarterback class as a whole, I, I think that it's really nice, especially at the very top. There's, there's a lot of guys that you could be happy with and that could be starters for you, but there's no doubt about it. There's players that you would rather prefer within that group. I think that the NFL clearly values Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson ahead, head and shoulders above the rest. I think those are clearly the one and two in this group. But then after that, it's kind of uh, depending on who you ask. We've seen momentum swing from Mac Jones. We've heard people talk about the future and the, the, the potential of Trey Lance. But 
I really do just have to go back to, to Justin Fields and how good that he was this past year, how well he has progressed over the two years as him being a starter at Ohio State. And when I look at what the San Francisco 49ers did, you know, if they were picking at number three initially, I could say, all right, well, th- this might be anybody. This could be any of the three guys, even though I would still tell you I would rather take Fields. But the fact that they moved three first-round picks to move from number 12 to number three makes me think that they've got to take the player with the highest ceiling. That, to me, without a doubt, is Justin Fields, and I think that that's where they're going. And so we have a good idea what the positions are at one, two, three, but then it gets exciting. World totally opens up for everything when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons at number four, and that'll really dictate what we see throughout the rest of the top ten. I love your take, and I've heard it on the pod, and you had it in your latest mock here, is you're not buying this. Everybody's saying Mac Jones is a lock and that Shanahan loves him, and you're not buying it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just not with it because when you listen to some of the hints, and, and we've had some good guests on our podcast that have really been able to give us more of an inside scoop on what's happening with the Niners and how, how Shanahan might think, Shanahan doesn't become this offensive guru by pigeonholing himself to just the quarterbacks that he's had previously in his career you know he's been an offensive coordinator uh, up until this point before san francisco so it's not like he was the one hand picking the quarterback for him to play with no he was just making the most out of them so when you look at guys like kirk cousins like a jimmy garoppolo when you say like oh that's you know what kirk there that's that, that's what kyle wants in a quarterback he said himself look you guys keep telling me about what a, what what my ideal quarterback is. My ideal quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. It's Russell Wilson. It's Aaron. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, it's the best quarter. That's who his quarterbacks are. And so he opened it up and he kind of lightheartedly poked fun at that narrative that Mac Jones is his type of quarterback. And I just don't think that's the case. I think that Shanahan himself, he doesn't become one of the most notable offensive minds in the NFL without here sitting here thinking about potential and what guys can bring to the table. You know, he makes the most of what's in front of him with certain positions. But this is the first time he's really been able to hand pick the type of quarterback that he wants to draft here. And I think that's going to be Justin Fields. I really do. Trevor Sikama with us, Locked On NFL Draft host and also the DraftNetwork.com draft analyst. Talking about his uh, latest mock uh, as well. Uh, I want to get to the Lions, certainly, Trevor. That's what we talk about each and every day on this show. But you have Kyle Pitts going forward to the Falcons. Do you see a scenario at all where Kyle Pitts would somehow drop to the Lions at 7 or no? It makes it more difficult with Miami now sitting at 6. I would have told you that there was a chance with you know Miami – if they wouldn't have moved back, if this trade never would have happened, or even if they would have just moved from 3 to 12 and stayed at 12. But I think that Miami got as aggressive as they did to move back up from 12 to 6 because they have a couple of prospects in mind. I think it comes down to Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts. But I think that Kyle Pitts is probably the number one guy on their radar. So that makes me think that even if the Falcons pass on Pitts at number four, which they could very well do, they're another team that's in trade back market. They could gain a lot, not just in this draft, but in future drafts from moving back. If they don't pick Kyle Pitts, we don't think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to pick Pitts. Although, you know, if you look at a receiver type, this, this would be up their alley. We think it's going to come down to Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell. I just don't think Pitts would get past. Miami at number six. I think that it would uh, it would very much shock me if they went with a different player and Pitts was on the board. So I think that they'd be close, but I think at best they're probably one pick away from getting their hands on them. Yeah, so you have Pitts and Sewell going 4-5 in your mock, and then you have Trey Lance going 6 in a trade-up from Denver. So the Broncos 
in need of a quarterback moving up, and I, I understand that. And then the Lions, Jamar Chase would drop to seven, and everybody has him as the number, their number one receiver in this draft. Um, what would you think of that pick for Detroit? No, I think that this would be the uh, it'd be a home run for him. You know, you look at the wide receiver additions and that they were able to make a free agency, and even before free agency, you looked at this group and you said, "Well, Quintez Cephas is about the only one who's got a contract," and so you don't know what this wide receiver room is going to look like in Detroit. So, I think the free agency, you know, gave us some answers, but it really just gave us the same question mark. And it's for wide receiver, and it's the longevity of wide receiver, especially with Kenny Galladay no longer there. So, if they have themselves the chance to take uh, Jamar Chase and Demonte Smith and Jalen Waddle, I still think that that's probably their number one priority. It's intriguing if they had somebody like Penny Sewell on the board, or if they really loved Rayshon Slater to make an addition to the offensive line. I don't think that's off the table at all whatsoever, but I still continue to just lean towards that wide receiver room. And even with the guys that they brought in with Williams and Perryman, I just don't think that's enough. That should not hold you back from taking a chance at a really nice wide receiver group at the top. I think that's probably how it's going to go. And if they had their pick of anybody, I would certainly assume that it would be Jamar Chase. So this pick, though it's not Kyle Pitts, I think would be met with uh, big praise in the war room in Detroit to get an offensive weapon like Jamar Chase. Who's your, after Chase, and we know, like I said, I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be there either. I think Pitts and Chase could both be gone. Then then, then would you see a trade down for Detroit? You know, Obviously, they need a receiver. They need some sort of weapon. I think Dan Campbell would love to have Kyle Pitts. But let's say Pitts and Chase are gone. Is, then that, is that then, in your mind, trade back time for the Lions? Well, I think that that's certainly got to be on the table as well when you look at a new regime coming in with GM and a head coach. You love giving yourself the flexibility to have a lot of different picks. And, you know, they moved on from Matthew Stafford, got themselves some extra first-round picks there, and so they know that they're set up for the next couple of years. But, hey, the more the merrier, right? And especially if you think it's the right move. If if the board doesn't fall to you the way you want it, it it's, it's always advantageous to make the most out of every move when you're on the clock. And so for the Lions... It depends. Like I said, if a guy like Penny Sewell or Rayshon Slater are still there, I think that those are backup options for them. But this is also a team that, you know, they'd be comfortable with a handful of wide receivers, not just Jamar Chase. And so you might be able to trade down, stay within the top 15, get yourself Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle while picking up a couple of extra picks. Or maybe if they want to really address the offensive line, you stay just in the top 20, get yourself a Tevin Jenkins, a Christian Darisaw, something like that. And so, I think that these are all the options that could be on the table for them. And when it comes to trading back, I, I wouldn't tell any team in the NFL they should absolutely not trade back, maybe other than the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one there with Trevor Lawrence. So when it comes to Detroit, if the ball doesn't, or if the board does not fall to them the way that they want to, they should certainly have the phone line open. Want to talk to Trevor about these tackles, too, and the fit for Detroit as well. And, of course, the question about Micah Parsons. We'll do that coming up next. First, though, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. What about tonight, folks? You want to put some money down on the Pistons at home against the Clippers. Played them so tough on Sunday. Getting three and a half at home. Clippers played last night. You can put down some money at betonline.ag. Football is done, but we got the NBA. MLB is starting up. Tigers going for the sweep of the Astros. And the NHL in full swing. BetOnline does it all. They've got updated odds. they got props and almost anything you can imagine. It's free to sign up. You go to betonline.ag. Sign up today and receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you got to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline. 
your online sportsbook experts. All right, more with our buddy Trevor Sikama, host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, also at thedraftnetwork.com. We're talking about the Lions at number seven. Trev, what about, what are your thoughts on Sewell? You mentioned Rayshon Slater. How big of a gap between those two guys? And if Sewell was gone, but the Lions felt like they needed a right tackle to put with Decker and Jackson and Vitae and Ragnow on that O-line, what do you think of Slater? Yeah, I really like both of these guys. I think Penny Sewell is my number one offensive tackle, and he's my number one offensive tackle comfortably. But that's not to say that I don't think that Slater could be a, a franchise kind of starter for you at left tackle or potentially even right tackle as well. So I really think that they are both starting caliber offensive tackles. The reason why I just have so much faith in Sewell is because we're watching tape of him. You got to remember, it's not even this past year. He wasn't even a junior. The tape that we're watching of Sewell, he's a freshman, sophomore starter. He's 18, 19 years old. And I think that he's showing a lot of dominance for the position. The athleticism is just so incredible what he's able to bring. Yeah, I mean, I think that he gets a little bit over aggressive at times. You need to hone that in a little bit. But every coach in the NFL would tell you, I'd much rather tell a guy to calm down than try to work a guy up and try to give him a mean streak. And so I think that that's what Sewell brings to the table. I think that. Man, we get we. I'll just say we use the the phrase, you know, generational talent, or he'll be around for the next ten years blocking your blind side. That just almost never happens, and so I hate throwing it around. But there's no doubt. I think for the next five years at least, if you're drafting a guy like Penny Sewell, you're giving yourself a chance with a bookend offensive tackle, and then you just see what the situation is five years later when it comes to signing a second year deal and him continuing to be with the franchise. He at least gives you that ceiling, that potential. So the gap is, it's there. I would clearly pick Sewell over Slater, but. Man, I'd be very comfortable with either of these guys in the top 10. I think that they're both really great prospects. Tell me about Micah Parsons. Um, you know, I, I do I think the Lions would take him at 7? I don't, but if they traded back and let's say they got to 15 if New England traded up for a QB or or something like that occurred and the Lions did move back, whether it's Washington, New England in the teens, could you see the Lions getting Parsons there? Would he be there for Detroit? And what about the fit with all the stuff off the field and his issues, certainly uh, in high school and in college off the field? Would that be a fit for, for a female owner like Sheila Ford Ham? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Parsons on the field, he's got some fantastic tape. I mean, if you just watch it from start to finish back in 2019, because he also did not play in 2020, you just see the progression. And this guy came to Penn State as a weak side defensive end, and they actually moved him up to linebacker. So he's got an edge rushing background. He knows how to attack the line of scrimmage, but also he's really understanding how to play in that middle of that defense, how to be a sideline to sideline guy, the feels and coverage. It's all stuff that he's working out, but he showed growth through that season in 2019, a really great growth. And that's why I think he's one of the best defensive prospects to get. The background information, I think, is the big deal on Micah Parsons. And that's for every team to kind of do their digging, make sure that they've got the right scouting staff in place, asking the right questions, getting down to, hey, if we're drafting this guy in the first round, it's important we know exactly who we're getting. Because I say this all the time, not just in the first round, but first round picks are obviously very important because they come the, the face of your draft class. You're drafting people as much as players, and that comes to how they represent your organization, how they achieve their potential, where they fit within your team. And so, yeah, it's a big deal with Micah Parsons. And I think this year with not having as much travel, not having as much face-to-face with 
college coaching staffs and all that, that, that goes into it. That's, that's important that you've got to throw these extra resources. Any team that's interested in Micah Parsons, and I think there'll be a lot of teams interested in him because he's so good, that's an important part of his evaluation that you got to nail. The tape part's actually pretty easy with him. He's a dang good player, but, yeah, you've got to figure out who he is underneath the helmet. You know, the Lions need linebackers. Maybe they don't risk the whole Parsons situation from a culture standpoint. Could Zaven Collins be there in the second round for the Lions at 41, or will he be long gone? Man, I just I don't know if he's there for him at the top of the second round. He's just such a unique player at 6'4", 260. He could play basically all three linebacker spots for you. He can even play in a multiple defense where you've got a couple of inside, a couple of outside linebackers. He can obviously hold up at the line of scrimmage, but he's got a great feel for coverage as well. You look at him and you go, okay, this guy's going to be a, a brute kind of linebacker, a Sam type that you're playing towards the line of scrimmage. But then he'll flip his hips, he'll move in coverage, he'll keep his eye on the quarterback, and he'll make some really nice feels in zone. So I think that it's just you don't get a player like him very often, and that makes me think that at the end of the day he's going to be a first-round pick. So maybe he's a target if the Lions want to get aggressive and potentially trade back up into the back part of the first first round if he starts to fall I think that that would probably be more likely than thinking he makes it to them uh, wherever they're picking early in the second round it's interesting in your mock uh, you do two rounds and in the second round you have the Lions taking Amari Rogers the wide receiver from Clemson so you have Jamar Chase and Amari Rogers both coming to Detroit look the Lions could use multiple receivers but I thought that was sort of an interesting uh, pick by you there yeah, it's just, you know, the board didn't fall to me exactly the way I wanted it to with the Lions. And so when I looked at it, you know, this receiver room, they brought in Perryman a short deal, Tyrell Williams on a short deal, Khalif Raymond's a slot receiver there. It's not like Jamar Chase is the pick in the first round and you just go, all right, we're good to go now. You know, I, <laughs> right. I, I just, you know, are they are they likely to pick a wide receiver back-to-back in the first and second round? No, probably not. I think that they'll have their eyes on safety, particularly Trayvon Merrick, if he gets within range for them to potentially select and trade up. Maybe they would want to take the risk on a guy like a Richie Grant or um, somebody of that nature at, at safety that early. I don't, I, I'm more confident in the Lions cornerback room and just that it was kind of inexperienced and that it's going to get better and liking the guys that are currently there. Not that it can't stand to have an upgrade, but it's not this immediate uh, need that I think that a lot of other people are viewing it as. But maybe that's coming as somebody who had a lot more faith in Amani Arawarie coming into his NFL career. But all that to say, is, is wide receiver likely as a back-to-back pick? No, probably not. But I kind of made that because I didn't love the board at the time for the Lions there. And I looked at that wide receiver room and said, hey, they're probably going to make more than one wide receiver pick in this draft. Why not go get a more higher-impact guy? And now you got an X receiver in Jamar Chase. You've got the speed receivers with Brashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams, and now you've got the after-the-catch slot kind of a guy in Amari Rogers. And so I really thought that, although it's not likely, these two wide receivers actually really rounded out the Lions' passing attack. It's going to be interesting to see where Detroit goes and what kind of moves Brad Holmes, the new GM, makes. And many, many are anticipating a trade down. But but the good news is is that. Uh, they've been uh, close to the vest on just about everything when it comes to the quarterback spot. Unlike the previous regime where Bob Quinn and everybody knew last year at three, they weren't taking a QB, neither Tua nor, nor Herbert, and it hurt them. So uh, love your work, Trev. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it, Matt. Anytime.
Trevor Sikama with us, Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, of course, right here on the network and thedraftnetwork.com. That'll do it for the Wednesday edition of the show. Talk to you again tomorrow.